What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 199. It gets more We're gonna unbelievable. party like it's 199. 199th episode. Every time I do this podcast, I have to announce a number, and it gets closer to 200. I'm like, oh my god. And it's September 1st, meaning tomorrow is my fucking birthday. Well, happy early birthday, buddy. Thanks, man. I'm gonna be fucking... 32 years old and the cursing has not I know. has not stopped. Yeah. I'm gonna I'll be there with you. I think you and I what we started doing this when we were 27, I think, this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that sad? What the fuck? <laughs> what have we accomplished in these years? I've actually accomplished no, a lot. I graduated from college and, you know, I finally got a job that I've been able to keep for longer than a uh, year and a half, so there's been some positives. Yeah, I've that's just, for sure. I've moved out to a new place. Yeah, you got your own place. I the band is doing a lot more successfully now than it was when I first. I th- I th- also, I think you guys would have even more success if it wasn't for COVID. That's oh for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, my YouTube channel's grown, but I mean that's still like at a snail's pace as far as compared to other YouTubers out there. But yeah, you know it's it's that long it, slow it's just, grind. It's just so much. It's also just so much competition nowadays. There's just so many YouTubers and so much stuff to have to compete with. Yeah, but anyway, um, we're getting close to episode number two hundred, and when we do, we'll do probably like a Q and A and. Uh, do some giveaways of some of our new merch. Speaking of our new merch, it exists. It's here in the world. The shirt that I was hyping for so long is finally in existence on Teespring. Uh, click on the link in mm-hmm. the description of this podcast to go and get either a new shirt, brand new design, with me and Micah's cartoon characters called The Inside Joke. You can get a mug that's got the same image on it, and it's turquoise, and it's pretty. Mine's coming in the mail, so I can check it out and, you know, hype it up if it's good and lambast it if it sucks. And we also have, because never let a good pandemic go to waste, we also have an Uncovering Unexplained Mystery-themed face mask for your uh, COVID needs. Whenever you're going out in public, you want to represent your favorite podcast on your mouth, right? I mean, I saw this dumb fuck redneck at Walmart today with a face mask on. Oh, no, it was Winn-Dixie. He had a face mask on and it had a rebel flag on it. So he wanted to show his racism on his on his mouth. But you can show your podcast, your favorite podcast on your mouth. I'm just joking. I don't I'm not going to weigh in on if the rebel flags racist or not. It, eh, You know, they're all no comment. <laughs> they're all over here like it's heritage not hatred that's their rhymy little thing mm-hmm. that they like to say it's heritage not hatred um but the kind of people that like are are rocking the rebel flag or people who look to me like they would probably not like uh black people or mexicans very much <laughs> i don't know i don't know whatever you shouldn't judge a book by its cover josh yeah yeah probably shouldn't or by its mask. I, I've never really known anyone who rocks the rebel flag stuff personally. And I live in the South, so I see it all the time. Uh, but if I, 
I tend to stay away from those people because, like I said, it's like their whole person. It's not even just like the fact that they may or may not be racist. Their personalities are just kind of like just, they to- just clash totally different they than just my my yours. personality. Yeah. Totally incompatible personality type. So I'm, that's why I've never had a friend that rocks a rebel flag shit. Um, now that you said that, some of your friends will just troll you and you know show up and. Oh, the people, my Confederate flag, <laughs> my friends, if they wore a rebel flag in the part of town where we're at, like they would be, they would be uh, ostracized because uh, I'm in the, I'm in the artsier area. So yeah. people don't really like that shit out here. I'm just talking about like you have a party or whatever, whatever, and then they just show up to fuck with you, like all wearing, you know, rebel flag gear. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I mean, it's not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah. be like, oh my god, acid. I'm melting. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I just think, you know, whatever. I'm not yeah. getting to a whole fucking discussion about the Civil War. Yeah. And, well, uh, anyway, uh, to uh, drive a, a tangent away from the, from this uh, particular uh, topic, how are you doing, uh, almost birthday boy? Oh, wow. I, on my birthday, Mike asked me how I'm doing. That's my gift. Um, <laughs> I'm doing pretty... Well, I'm hungover, so that's a thing. I drank last night, um, as I normally... That's what I thought. I was like, is he hungover, or is he just tired? Well, it's a combination of both, because the yeah. podcast actually started a little bit later, because I ate an entire pizza... It was a thin crust pizza, so it was like basically a glorified cracker with some tomato sauce and cheese uh-huh. on it. I hate thin crust. And I ate the whole thing. Then why did you order thin, thin crust then? Uh, Well, this thin crust, I fold it in half and eat it like it's almost like a calzone or something. Oh, okay. And it tastes good. Right. And they, it has a nice tangy tomato sauce to okay. it, which I like. Uh, right. But yeah, after I ate that pizza in combination with... Um, because I was telling Mike, the thing that sucks about, like, a drunken sleep is alcohol is a really good anesthetic. Like, it knocks you the fuck out whenever you go to lay down. I mean, mm-hmm. you will not have insomnia problems if you're an alcoholic. Well, some uh, some some <laughs> might. If this. I wouldn't recommend that as a cure. Hey, you having a, are you having insomnia? Get drunk! Uh, <laughs> have, like, ten alcohol drinks. Alcohol is a cure! No. But, yeah, um... So you go right to sleep like a lead balloon, and you, I slept through the night, and when I woke up, as is always the case with alcohol, you wake up, and after... You feel like a zombie, after because like you an, just got... Yeah, you, you, after like uh, an hour of being awake, you like want to go back to bed, because it's like, wow, I feel like I've barely slept, even though I slept all night, because uh-huh. alcohol, as it breaks down, it breaks down into these more... Uh, noxious uh, compounds that uh, uh, irritate your central nervous system all night and basically prevent you from going into deeper levels of REM sleep. It's also a drug, so it's similar to a a sleeping pill or something like that, where you wake up and you're just like, oh, God. Yeah, groggy and, you know, shitty. I I mean, I took NyQuil one night because I was dealing with, uh, I think I had the flu or something, or or some kind of really bad cold. And... It didn't. It didn't work for one. It just made me sick to my stomach, and I couldn't sleep. It was crazy. It's like it didn't even like cause me to be drowsy or anything. It just made me sick to my stomach. And then when I woke up the next day, you know, once I got any, once I got 
to sleep it was similar to that like like you're you're kind of probably got a taste of what it would feel like to be hung over because you're just like whoa oh my god oh yeah there's this there's such a thing called (laughs) sleep pill hangover where you basically yes a sleeping pill does work and you do go to sleep but the next day when you wake up you're super groggy you're you feel yeah. you feel drugged like it just it's yeah not... Nyquil like it took like half the day for that shit to wear off like it, it, yeah. it, was, it was it was not fun. No, I'm not doing that again. Nothing fucks with <laughs> like a nice like no like not drinking any soda or anything two hours before bed a nice just natural sleep like seven and a half. I'm not gonna say eight hours because I feel like as an adult if you sleep for eight hours like you're 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 some kind of freak. Like who who gets eight hours of sleep as an adult? As I've a, done that before. I've done it before, but I haven't done it in a long time. I I, I, I do it quite a bit when I can because uh, I I I get interrupted sleep schedules because of multiple different reasons. You know, some of them involve my cat, and you know, giving me a taste of what it's like to have a kid. Yeah. Uh, God. But uh, other other things are just my fault, like drinking too much caffeine. Um, but other, other things, it's like, there will be days where I'm just really tired because I haven't gotten a whole lot of sleep and I've been working so much. And then I'm just like, I got a day off the next day. Fuck it. I'm just going to sleep in. Um, but, but recently my internal clock has been waking me up like earlier. That's annoying, dude. Cause it's like your body just decides one day, Hey, it's time to be up now. And it's like, no, go back to bed. It's like, nope. And it's like, wow, you're a dick. I'm going to be tired all day today because of you. Yeah. I fucking have like people knocking on my door sometimes because like I'll order shit and sometimes they'll require uh-huh. a signature. And of course, yeah. with my stupid ass sleep schedule, waking up at 1.30 p.m. every day, you know, that doesn't work for anyone else in the rest of the world. So they're coming to my house at like 10, just mm-hmm. like yeah. knocking on my door, scaring the shit out of me because I live alone. And I'm like, who the fuck's that? You know, because I've had... I've had weird experiences at my old place where some chick came to my house with some dude who was going to beat my yeah. ass, who was like, I remember that <laughs> half the size of me, this little pip squeak. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to beat your ass. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, go, go ahead. Go away. Like, I'm going to call 911 <laughs> if you beat my ass. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, the dude probably had some kind of weapon on that, that There's no way that little wormy bastard went up there thinking yeah. he was just going to beat my ass, but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, now speaking of work, because you said something about work, my, my gigs, because of the coronavirus in Florida, mm-hmm. at least, is finally kind of like fucking off. Uh, yeah. We were getting like 9,000 new cases per day on average in mid July to. Yeah. Uh, through august but now it's tapering off and i think we hit a record low of like 1800 new cases are people just people are just finally getting a clue probably like wearing masks and trying to i'd say over stay the, away from one another the last six weeks people have finally got on the mass train here in florida and um i really think it's made all the difference because before the mass the numbers were going up 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 and Ever since people have gotten on board with the mask, shit's you know shit's gone down, and yeah. uh, it's it's just trending down, down, down. You know, there's no evidence that it's going up. And um, on August thirtieth, we only or yeah, on August thirtieth, we only had fourteen people die from the virus when it was an average of mm-hmm. like eighty to a hundred yeah. people a day. Um, 
And then you hear this other information from the CDC talking about 94% of people who died from coronavirus had underlying conditions yep. that, you know, helped them along mm-hmm. with their death. And so you're getting all this fucking weird information and it's like, well, damn, man, like <laughs> the news media just likes to spin it like it's this like this mystery death, like disease of just uh, pestilence and horror but really it's like yeah if you have underlying conditions you need to be a lot more cautious but for everyone else you're probably gonna be fine um but anyway yeah but but then there are there are articles that talk about uh long-lasting effects you know of it as well so yeah but i don't i just literally don't believe any of that shit anymore because like none of them they they change their story they 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 can't stick to the same narrative like I don't know about that. I haven't heard them change their story on on the the uh, X rays and stuff like that. They they've done on people who've had coronavirus in terms of you know what it's doing to their lungs. Like, I haven't. Like all heard depends any. on where you look though, because like if you look elsewhere, they're like, well, actually, it does it doesn't really. You know, it's 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 almost like the whole um, like milk and and and, and eggs. How they've flip flopped throughout <laughs> the years about how it's okay. good for you. No, it's bad for you. Oh no! Wait, it's good for you, and it's like they can't get their yeah. mind made up on it. I feel like that's uh, how it is with this, as far as like the severity and the this and the that. But anyway, point. Hey, I'm also, I almost just want to be with these topics. Just be like Bill Belichick at a press conference, and just be like, no comment. <laughs> well, no comment. Point fucking being on is Cincinnati. in Jacksonville, where finally places are finally <laughs> starting to now that they made like a backdoor loophole to to reopen your bar without them getting the negative publicity. They are letting these bars get restaurant licenses. These re- these bars are selling. Yeah, I heard about that. They're yeah, selling uh, baskets of tortilla chips and calling themselves mm-hmm. a restaurant. And so technically, yeah. they're essential and they can be open. Uh-huh. That's what a lot of these people are doing to get around these restrictions. So yeah. a lot of gigs are starting to come back, and a lot and and people's you know DJs are starting to get karaoke. Like uh, Stephanie is. Uh, I think this week uh, she's got two no three gigs that have come back for her. Cool. And I think Good. I think the most she ever had was three because she, right when she she started catching her stride as a DJ, COVID happened, you know, kind of. Yeah. Um, and for me, I had been a DJ for years and years, and you know, I had four gigs a week before this happened. But Friday, you've been a you'd been a DJ uh, ever since you came right out of the womb, just like you know, spinning records. Yeah, dog, wiki wiki woo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was lame. I feel embarrassed for my own self. Um, but no, um, I, Friday will be uh, my first. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a new gig. It won't be the boot rack. I don't know when the boot rack's going to reopen. I can't sit there and wait for them any longer. I have to move on, which sucks because mm-hmm. boot rack has been like my longest running gig this whole time. And Louie, the bartender's always been super loyal to me about like, you know, making sure that I have a gig there and not getting someone else, even when they weren't, even when the only people on the patio were me and him and we were the only two people singing, yeah. he still didn't fire me or anything like that. Cause I generally, yeah. I think he just liked me as a person. He knew that mm-hmm. they were probably losing money by having me there or whatever, but um, he kept me on. So my loyalty's always been with them, but they're closed. They're not trying that restaurant thing. They're not doing that yeah. loophole. They're just closed right now and louis got health problems too so uh mm-hmm. i don't know what's gonna happen with that i hope he hope everything's gonna be all right with that but it's getting kind of 
getting kind of bad there for him. But anyway, um, I'm starting Friday at this place called Brews in the kind of artsy district of Jacksonville. And uh, I'm going to be doing... Oh, so you're going to be DJing for the Jacksonville hipsters. Yeah, okay. well, yeah. I mean, the area's getting so gentrified as far as like the, the, the more yuppie kind of people, younger people are finding out about it. I mean, they've they've known about Riverside for at least like a solid five to seven years now, but... Mm-hmm. It's it's real. It's gotten so, you know, watered down that pretty much everyone goes there now. But it, yeah. it was the original hipster spot. Um, let me tell you. Whenever I start showing up to an area, that's how you know it's getting watered down. Because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always the last lame ass to the party that finds out about things when everyone else already knew about it. So you know, when I start showing up, that's how you know it's turning pretty mainstream but that's like if you start you it's like when people start using memes and then it'd be like oh that meme's dead because right you know my aunt you know is jumping on board or whatever yeah yeah oh this 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 venue is no longer a hipster venue mm-hmm. because uh josh cannon just showed up <laughs> so weird that uh Weird how these little like cliques and cultures, because like that's how my my boss bought this this place, this nightclub called Eclipse, and mm-hmm. they had this goth night, or it was a it was supposedly a goth club, but yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember. The like, long and short of that is mm-hmm. the goths weren't supporting it enough to justify it staying open. They were losing money, so yep. they so when my boss bought the place, he wanted to turn it around and make it more mainstream. And he canceled the goth night on Saturday, and they started a whole goddamn Facebook page group about complaining about it. And the thing is, is like, they made it seem like, oh, you know, it was all going so good. And then just Keith came in and told everyone too bad, tough luck, go somewhere else. But it's like, dude, no, it, it wasn't like that. Like, the place was hemorrhaging money just so you could keep your little scene that kind of died out in the 2000s you know goth the goth scene is not what it once was and and cult clicks die out and fads die out and things change and i don't understand that whole like oh this place isn't cool anymore it used to be you know this this you know i mean i guess i understand it to a certain extent but i i just i don't know i guess i've never been to a bar or a dive bar a club Uh where i'm like Wow, they're playing all 70s prog rock and Smashing Pumpkins. This is the exact music that I like. And then, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, everyone's so different, you know. How can you really have a club that only one kind of people goes to, you know? It's, I don't know. I just don't understand that concept of having these uh-huh. clicky clubs where only people who listen to this very specific music go. And when they start playing other kinds of music, everyone's like, this place sucks but cl- now. But But clicky podcasts... Oh, you definitely can understand uh, why those exist. Well, that's our bread and butter, Mike. If it wasn't uh, for know, it wasn't I for know, clicky podcast, then uh, <laughs> you know. Actually, I, I had to I had to connect things somewhat because a lot of this is like, uh huh. Uh-huh, I know, I, I know. I'm just. Kinda, I remember. I'm. I remember. Drunken or post drunkenly <laughs> rambling. It's like uh, I, yeah. So so anyway, I'll be 32 tomorrow. We yay fucking. Woo! Hopefully my goddamn band can get something done in my thir- as, as I'm 32 because I'm you know I'm getting up there to where my window of uh, opportunity is getting you know. Are you starting to feel things more in terms of uh, 
physically, you know, when you move around or you do certain things. Uh, well, I'm because... what's exciting is I'm finally starting to grow pubic hair. <laughs> like it took but, puberty to hit yeah. me. It took a long time to like fully hit me. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm talking about is like I've noticed this more. Um, I definitely don't have as much energy. Uh, as the days go by, as, as I might have had when I was younger. And then on top of that, because there are times at work where I got to like get down on the on the ground in order to get to the lower shelves of things. And uh, it's 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 starting to like it's not to the point where I'm like old man arthritis, you know, getting up, you know, off the ground difficult. But it, it I'm starting to feel it more. Dude, in terms of, be, you know, in my muscles and, and, you know, when you move a, your leg a certain way, you hear a loud pop, you know, that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, that's a funny question that people have asked me because when I was younger, I was pretty overweight. Like, I was in the obese category. Yeah. Like, I was, yeah. I was just barely obese, but according to my body mass index, I was technically obese when I was... A middle schooler. The body mass index is bullshit. Well, like, really, you I, sh you should look into uh, more research on that because there was actually speaking of bullshit. There was an episode of Penn and Teller's bullshit that talked about the body mass index, and uh, that was really quite revealing because the body mass index is very misleading. Well, and, whatever. Uh, what the point? I didn't mean to ways. spark a tangent on BMI, but um, I, I was fat when I was you know, in my prime. So, yeah. like, I remember being at football games when I was, like, 15 and 16, and my feet and back would be killing me oh, from yeah. standing. For sure. And, uh, you know, like, so I feel like I'm healthier now, and I have more energy now than I did when I was, you know, supposedly in my glory years, yeah. because I lost, you know, like, I was 230 at my heaviest. Now I'm around like 179, so that's like a 50 pound. That's 50 pounds that I'm not carrying around on me at any given time. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I'm active now. I exercise every other day, mm -hmm. lift weights, run on the treadmill. I try to drink, you know, a good amount of water when I can. I mean, I'd say dr yeah. drinking is like my biggest unhealthiest thing that I do. But aside from that. Um, I'm better off now. I both look better and feel better than I than yeah. I did when I was younger. But that's specific to me. I bet a lot of people out there had, did the opposite of me. They were skinny and active when they were young, and now that they're getting older, they're eating worse. They're not exercising uh, as much with their office job, and now they're yeah. noticing that they're gaining weight. They they don't have as much energy. So I think I think that. That has a lot to do because the human body, if you treat it right, it's meant to last and, and do you good for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's not to mention that, like, I don't have a job where there's any kind of like serious manual labor involved. And I don't have to do uh -huh. I don't have to do my job for eight hours a day like most people do. Even if you're a cashier and you're just standing in the same spot for like six and a half, seven hours a day, yeah. that you're fucking veins in your legs. You get varicose veins from that and all that. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, your bones and shit, just your spine. No, I, I feel, I feel it a lot more in my calves lately. Yeah, that's for sure. So I, I, I lucked out in that, in that regard. I, yeah, people always say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, when I, if only I could be young." Shit, when I was young, I was a piece of, I was a tub of cookie dough. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm. I would it's also the, it's also mindset. 
So you're, you know, at this point in your life, you also have a better mindset too, on top of all of that. So I think that definitely helps. Yeah, thank God. As well. You will hear some of that awful teenage Josh <laughs> mindset later on in this podcast with the perks of being a Josh flower. And uh, we'll see if the, our listeners can uh, uh, put their heads back together in time for, for that next... Uh, After me talking last week about how I couldn't get it up to girls anymore. Jesus Christ. Young Josh, why? You didn't have to t- share everything on the internet. But, dude, you got to remember, that was before Facebook even existed. So the concept of, like, getting in trouble mm-hmm. over something you put on online was just so foreign to everybody. Nowadays, it's it's on the... If you put it up there, uh, it's up there forever. And, like, you, you can just get totally skewered and and uh completely uh roasted for that i'm sure if someone used the internet if someone wanted to use the internet the internet wayback machine and they wanted to i'm sure they could uncover my original zanga files and yeah find if they really had that kind of free time you know i'm sure they could do that but you know like you're already doing it so it'd be like i'm I'm already doing it i'm already doing it so yeah because i'm not ashamed of any of that shit because like i'm i'm i know who i am and i'm you know confident in who i am nowadays so i don't really you know whatever come at me bro but anyway this is a podcast (laughs) about the show unsolved mysteries and we got two from season 11 right they're both from season 11 yep because i'm still in the process of rewatching the show backwards yeah you're savoring it like a motherfucker yes I am. I, I think that's a smart thing to do. I, I watch it every. Uh, I try to watch. I try to watch Unsolved Mysteries like once a week, but like only like two or three episodes or something. Yeah. And then... So we're starting off with the case of Lee Roberts. This is an, this is an interesting one. Leah, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah we're, Leah Roberts. We're still running into every now and then. We're still running into cases that we haven't already talked about, where it's like, oh, this is a good case that kind of got swept under the rug. So, and I think both of these cases are uh, decent, solid cases that we just forgot about. Yeah, the, one of them, I swear, I think we were going to cover, and then something happened, and then we didn't finish it, and never remembered about it until recently. All right, so this is the case of Leah Roberts. Uh, she's a college student who, uh, left on a cross-country trip and never returned. So in March of 2002, people jogging on Mount Baker in Washington State noticed a piece of clothing dangling from a tree branch. That's never a good sign. When they investigated, they found that an SUV had plunged over a steep embankment. There were no signs of anyone or any indication that someone had been injured. A passport, money, and some clothing were found inside the car. Uh, the production crew, the people who worked on setting uh, the scene and everything, they did a good job with this segment in terms of setting up the car and even the shot uh, with uh, from the director of photography when it shows that reveal. And it's just one of those things you're just like, that is very puzzling. Yeah. So police traced the Jeep to a missing 23-year-old college student, Leah Roberts. Nine days earlier, Leah had left her home in Raleigh, North Carolina. I've actually been there. I've been to Raleigh. A friend of mine uh, who we really aren't acquaintances anymore. 
uh, which is too bad, but you know, it's a little bit of a long story and I want to, I don't want to get into it. Uh, I visited him at, uh, in, in Raleigh when I was, uh, I think I was still in high school at that time or I just graduated. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, I, I remember Raleigh, it just seemed like it was pretty gloomy. We, I think we were like in the middle, I think it was like sometime in fall or something like that near, uh, December, I think it was like a November or October or something like that. It is just, it was just one of the, it was like also one of the first times that I really left the nest in such a big way. And this is a friend I'd only kind of, I'd only talked to pretty consistently on AIM or on other social media stuff. I never actually met him in person. So my parents are understandably like, ooh, like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. He paid for a ticket. And so I went over there and spent some time with him. We saw a drive-in double feature of Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Black Christmas and... You know, we we shared a bond and, you know, B-movies and stuff like that. And so that it was a good time. It was a nice uh, moment for me to break even further out of my shell. And it turned out uh, good. It could have easily, you know, been one of those unsolved mystery scenarios where, you know, a young kid goes uh, off uh, out of state to hang out with somebody they met online and never returns. <laughs> But that's not what happened, thankfully. So uh, Leah left her home in Raleigh uh, without telling anyone where she was going. Susie Smith was also a friend of Leah's. She's quoted here, Leah is just a very awesome person. Everybody that meets her likes her. Very personable, great smile. But, you know, she was also kind of private. Um, Now... This is a generic statement that you hear so many uh, best friends or friends say about somebody who goes missing. Uh, but I always find it in kind of uh, interesting with the assumptions people make in these interviews. Like, everybody that met her liked her. Yeah. Like, every single person in the world that met Leah instantly liked her. Yeah, it almost makes you think that only people that everyone likes are the ones that get fucked over. That's how, that's how they make it seem yeah. in these. <laughs> you better not have, you better not be one of those. Yeah. You, if you are well liked, and... you better watch your ass. Cause you're about to get murdered or stolen or something. Oh my God. You're going to get taken and then you're not going to have Liam Neeson there to save you. Um, so when Leah was in her early twenties, her mother died unexpectedly then uh, Leah was in a near-fatal car accident, and finally, after a long illness, her father died. You're just like, oh my god. Yeah, dude, that sucks. Like, just awful. I mean, just one hit after another. And uh, her brother Heath, he thinks that these events deeply affected his sister. Uh, I, I would think that would be the case. <laughs> think, yeah, that might be a bit of an understatement. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, and the mom died suddenly. Like it, like the dad yeah. had succumbed to like this illness that he had for a while, but the mom died mm. like suddenly. So that's God. That that. And then you have the car accident, which that probably caused some. Dude, PTSD that that causes so much PTSD. You have no idea 
Well, I'm sure you do have some idea because you got hit by a car. Yeah, I <laughs> And you flew into the air. <laughs> yeah, I do have some idea. Yeah, dude, when I got into my car wreck, like, I, to this day, uh, if if I get into, like, a, if I, a close call with, so, like, a car pulls out in front of me or something, I can perfectly remember exactly how it feels to get hit by a car and and the crazy feelings yeah. involved in that and uh-huh. slamming against something and all like that's that's how i feel when uh i see people cross across you know cross uh the crosswalk without the light it, it you know i'm just like what are you doing because <laughs> i i I've, I've experienced it firsthand what happens when you don't make it and it's just there's no point to it have some patience and and just wait or walk a little bit further so then you can actually use the crosswalk. Yeah, my friend or the my friend that I knew recently actually died from that. He cropped fuck. He was uh leaving some concert or something and I guess he wasn't paying as much attention when he was crossing the street as he should have been uh-huh. and a drunk driver hit him and killed Shit. him. So oh, yeah, it's just it was fucking nuts and he was a DJ around here too. It was really uh-huh. sad. He had like fucking two kids and a wife and shit. He was like Man. in his mid thirties. Fucking sad. Couldn't believe yeah. it when I found out about. It. I was like, what? Just you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it because you know there could be that one time where you get hit and and that's it. You know, I, I was incredibly lucky and and, and I'm still very uh, appreciative of that fact you know, because <laughs> I easily could have died. Right. So anyway, uh, uh, Heath is quoted here. He says, I think that all of those things together had the cumulative effect of making Leah even more introspective and probably more aware that although she didn't know what she wanted to do, I think she was unhappy that she wasn't achieving it. And yeah, that's actually a pretty good observation. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if people who are already introspective, you know, already introverts, if something like that happens... Is there a high percentage of them just being even more further inside of their shell? I would think that would be a pretty high percentage of cases where people, you know, they'd have a loss like that and then it would just be like they they, they just go even further inside of their shell and they don't want to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're going to take the opposite approach and go out and get drunk every night and make an ass. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. I got, I, there's a guy like that who's been doing that recently. He's been going out. I guess he lost his brother a few weeks ago. He just told me uh-huh. this the other night, and then uh, he's just been going out and getting drunk all the time, which is so stupid because, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it helps in the moment, but, God, the next day, like, not only do you have the loss of this person still, but you're fucking hung over on top of that. So it's yeah. like, in, like compounded sadness. And, and alcohol is uh, a depressant, so... That doesn't really help you get over uh, loss or grief. When they say alcohol is a depressant, I feel like people take this out of context a lot. It means that it depresses your central nervous system, as in it, it takes the feelings that you're feeling and it and it pushes them down and makes them less. It intense. does. It doesn't. It, it does, doesn't mean but... alcohol. When they say alcohol is a depressant, it doesn't mean that it makes you depressed if you drink it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily do that. But I think. Uh, there are individuals that have different effects uh, to their nervous system or, or to their body or to their emotions when they drink alcohol. So I think for some people, it does cause uh, uh, 
these sort of depressive thoughts and sort of things to to uh, become a little bit more. Uh, I'm not trying to. But what trying happens to right with word. alcohol is in the moment it basically squeezes your brain like a sponge of all the yeah. serotonin and dopamine in that moment not not to the extent that heroin does or anything like that no but it, no. it does it does withdraw from the happy feeling bank when you're not supposed to you know uh-huh. your brain regulates that so you feel pretty good all the time but not really good because your brain yeah. is conserving those chemicals so you don't go into a depressive slump but with alcohol it's like release the hounds and all the serotonin comes uh-huh. out and you feel great and you feel a sense of well-being, and the reward center in your brain is firing off, even though you haven't even done anything to deserve that feeling. Uh-huh. But then the next day, that's when you get yeah. the lack of those chemicals, because they've mm. been expended, and they need time to build back up. That's why you feel depressed. Uh, yep. And if you do that every fucking day of your life, yep. you'll turn into what I turned into a few years ago when I used to drink every day. Where I literally have a nerv- I had a nervous breakdown and was completely yep. fucked in the head for a few months, and I had to unfuck myself, and it took it took a long, long time. So, yeah. so don't drink every day; it's not a good idea. So basically, don't be an alcoholic. Yeah, don't use alcohol as as a coping mechanism for grief. Now what? Now what does that, any of this have work. to do with the story? None whatsoever. But isn't that what you guys have come to love <laughs> about this podcast? <laughs> The rabbit trails are hard on this one, guys. They they, they yeah, run deep. Yeah. They run deep on the trails. Run to the core of the earth on this on this episode. So, uh, yeah. So Leah found comfort in the writings of Jack Kerouac. Now, I guess that's that's a better than alcohol. Yeah, sure. I mean, unless the beat, unless he tells you to like leave all your shit and yeah, <laughs> go into yeah. the mountains. Uh huh. But it also depends on what your mindset is. But uh, her mindset was probably at, at a pretty low uh, place. So uh, reading Jack Kerouac saying things like, hey, you know, leave everything behind and just forget about it all. And that's probably something that really spoke to her. To have that opportunity to be like, yeah, it's just just cut it all away and, 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 and just burn it all and i don't have to worry about it and just go live in the woods somewhere yeah i don't understand like all like to me that's like such a hippie philosophy like yeah leave all your possessions and, and abandon all worldly materials and and and, and find spiritual and live off the land yeah, like like why is it gotta be so extreme why can't it be like don't have so many material possessions like don't put all your yeah. value in like that's something i can completely get behind but the mm-hmm. whole leave every that's so extreme like there's nothing wrong with like but some you know some material possessions bringing you joy and bringing you simple pleasures you know like you yeah. with your movies or whatever uh-huh like there's nothing wrong with that it's when you it's when you start to idolize and worship material possessions that's the yeah. problem or you use those material possessions as another form of coping. Like, for example, with, with hoarders. Uh, it, the, they hoard because it, it becomes a coping mechanism for some sort of uh, grief or some sort of emotional uh, distress in their life. So then it, because it's something that they can do 
and uh, it, it, it has already created these sort of chemicals or these sort of things in their brain, uh, it, it becomes something that they continue to do more and more and more, uh, just like any other addiction, because it, it, it's something that ultimately distracts them from the other things that are going on in their head. So, for instance, with Leah, maybe go for hikes. You know, you want to, hey, you want to get closer to nature, go for a hike with your friends or something. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Or go for walks and so on and so forth. Because I don't really think it was really the best thing for her, for someone in her state to just go and leave everything behind and just be totally alone with her thoughts. Yeah. Therapy was, the was probably nowhere. would have probably been right? more constructive. <laughs> yeah, that too. But a lot of people in these particular uh, points in their life, the last thing they're thinking about is going to therapy. They just want to get away from it all. They just want it to just be over with. And that's why that's sadly, that's why a lot of people end up ending their lives in these mo in these parts of their lives, because it's a quick, you know, it's a split second kind of decision. And then they're just like, they feel so much pain. And then they're like, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. And so they, they don't really think about things like, Oh, what, what's, what's, what, you know, what's going to happen with my family or my friends and so on and so forth. It's just like, I just want this to end. Right. So anyway, uh, Jack Kerouac was a Beat Generation author who wrote about the free-spirited road trips he took across America. Leah's favorite was called The Dharma Bums. It's a story that encourages the, encourages the reader to leave behind the materialism of modern life. Part of that book takes place at a forest fire lookout on Desolation Peak near Mount Baker in Washington State. Now that name is just very foreboding. Desolation Peak. Yeah. Desolate. You're going to find... You're going to find p peace and uh, you're going to become in tune with nature and yourself at Desolation Peak. <laughs> so another of Leah's friends, uh, Janine Quiller, confirmed that Leah had mentioned the location to her. From, from the last conversation that we had, we were talking about Dharma bums and how Kerouac was up on Desolation Peak just taking in all the beauty around him. It appears that Leah Roberts secretly decided to turn her dream into a reality. Just three months before she was to graduate from college, she packed up most of her cherished belongings and her cat, B, and took off to Desolation Peak, uh, 3,000 miles across the country. Leah's family and friends filed a missing persons report and checked bank records for any activity on her account. She had made several cash withdrawals, tracing a route towards the West Coast. It took her only three days to get to Oregon. Leah's sister... Kara decided to see what she could find at her sister's house. On Leah's dresser, dresser uh, Kara dis discovered a cryptic note. Leah's note said, I'm not suicidal, I'm the opposite. Remember Jack Kerouac, and that might be part of her trip. That's, that is very uh, uh, mysterious, for sure. Just leaving a note, just be like, I'm not suicidal, I'm the opposite. Remember Jack Kerouac. Yeah... That's that's uh, that's not exactly comforting. I'm not suicidal. I'm the opposite. It, I mean, I don't know. It's like, well, where are you then? And what do you? I don't know. 
Yeah. Very foreboding. So five days later, Leah's SUV was discovered in Mount Baker National Forest near Desolation Peak, but Leah was nowhere to be found. Authorities estimate that the car was traveling about 40 miles per hour when it plunged over the embankment. Sergeant Kevin McFadden of the Whatcom Sheriff, uh, Whatcom County Sheriff's Office said that the driver was most likely injured. With the speed that the vehicle was traveling and the amount of damage to the vehicle, you would anticipate some type of injury to the person inside. At least some type of evidence also to indicate contact damage that the person had been inside the vehicle. But there was no blood inside the SUV or in the surrounding area. And that's a really uh, interesting fact. Like if she was hurt enough that her she had some kind of head injury, you would think there would be blood inside the SUV or, or somewhere around around it. Yeah, I mean... They were saying that they, it looked like she had gone off the embankment at like 40 miles an hour. And if that were the case, then they, she definitely would have sustained some kind of injury, but they just, they didn't find any evidence of that. But they also didn't find any evidence that she, you know, had like tied the steering wheel, no, it, you know, to, to where the car drove itself yeah. off, you know, like put a brick on the gas, the accelerator uh-huh. and, you know, she didn't, they didn't find evidence of that either. So it was, it was really perplexing. Yeah. They wondered if Leah had even been in the car when it went over the edge because they couldn't find anything to indicate that the wheel was tied. Uh, they couldn't find any marks on the back that indicated anybody had pushed it to where it was. Uh, if you had somebody driving the vehicle and they jumped out, you would have taken your life into your own hands trying to jump out of the vehicle at that speed. To make things even more confusing, blankets have been placed in the car's shattered windows. To Sergeant McFadden, it appeared that someone used it as a shelter after the accident. We brought in dogs, we brought in search and rescue, we did a complete grid search up and down the road, but they weren't able to find any indication that anybody had left that vehicle. The SUV was carefully examined at a police garage, was full of Leah's personal belongings, a large amount of cash, an empty cat carrier, and Leah's mother's uh, diamond engagement ring. Uh, Leah's roommate, Nicole Bennett, remembered the ring, and she's quoted here, As long as I've known Leah, she has worn her mother's engagement ring. It was her most prized possession, and when we discovered that the ring had been found in the car, it was definitely, for me, a bad sign. But it ties into the Kerouac thing. Leave all your possessions behind. And that was her most prized possession. Right. But, you know, there's like leaving your possessions behind and then there's just being like, there's just like practical things. Like, for instance, you know, you're going to need shelter if you're living outside. So you're going to need a tent, you know, a car would have been a great practical measure, you know. And, and and why would you leave it behind in, in such a way to where you just like crash it off the side of an embankment, you know, like, yeah, it's just like, uh, it, it's like, there's so many questions. It's just so it, many it, questions. Th- if they're trying to suggest that the car was crashed because she was leaving her possessions behind, like Kerouac said, then like, that's just way too extreme. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't think that, yeah. that I don't think that that adds up. But it's just one of those things. Why is the ring there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, I. I think that I think that she probably met with foul play in some way or another. But why didn't you know the person you know who took her out? Like, why didn't they just take the ring? 
They might not have known about it. Maybe. But also, it just you, you also have to wonder, like, why did she take it off in the first place? Found in the car. So... There are several theories about the disappearance of Leah Roberts. According to Sergeant uh, McFadden, she could have caught a ride with the wrong person after the accident. He's quoted here. He says, you can't rule out foul play when you don't see somebody for over a year, but there's no evidence to indicate that that has happened. We did process a vehicle for your typical evidence, hairs, fibers, and blood, but there's nothing to indicate uh, that uh, that particular scenario occurred. Uh, she could be living somewhere with no memory of who she is or where she came from, the amnesia thing. Which is a typical, uh, it's almost a cliche at this point with these kind of cases, a missing person. Like in the reenactment, how they had that actress portray all these different scenarios. Like yeah. in one, it's like, um, you know, she she got amnesia and then it shows her just walking around with this like startled look on what? her face. What? Huh? Uh. It's like, or maybe she's just living out her dream, you know, her, her fantasy as of leaving everything behind. And then it shows her like happily in the, walking in the forest with her cat. Like, yeah. she had to portray all first these off, different emotions. First off, that fucking cat, like, what a patient cat. Like, I could not hold my cat for that long and, and just be fine and whatever. He want out. He want out of my arms and run away. <laughs> I mean, that's a good cat actor right there. I mean, there's even a scene where she's driving down the road and she has the cat in her lap and just petting it. Cat's all chill. Now that you're a cat dad, you can re you can relate to shit that I would have never even noticed. Yeah. Like I never even noticed the cat act the cat's acting ability, but <laughs> now that you point it out, I guess yeah, I guess that's true. So anyway, um, then there's the theory that perhaps Leah Roberts was inspired by her favorite favorite author Jack Kerouac and left her former life behind in one final dramatic gesture. Leah's sister doesn't think so. I can understand Leah's needing to get away and find some peace within herself, but considering the loss that her family's experienced, it's difficult for me to think that she would leave us open for another loss like this. One week after Leah's car was found, a man called police to report that his wife had just seen Leah at a gas station 30 miles from Seattle. He didn't give his name, but Leah appeared confused and disorientated. Before police could get more information, the caller hung up. Uh, so he hung up. So uh, maybe the guy was just... Fucking around. Just a troll call. Why did he hang up if he was so sure? Right? I don't know. Maybe he thought that he'd somehow get thrown in the mix as someone who was culpable. A suspect? Yeah. That's another Unsolved Mysteries cliche as well. The person who called later. Like, I saw her. She was at the gas station. <laughs> Right. Or at the bar. So this case is still unsolved. Leah's car remained in the possession of investigators for several years. In 2006, the car was re-examined. It was discovered that a wire to the starter relay had been cut. This would have allowed the car to accelerate without anyone depressing the gas pedal, confirming early suspicions that no one had been in the car when it left the road, and thus had been purposely wrecked. They found a fingerprint under the hood and some male DNA in an article of Leah's clothing. Investigators re-interviewed a man who claimed to have seen Leah at a restaurant in the area. There you go. The man had worked as a mechanic and had a military background, which made them suspicious of him. Well, that's probably why he hung up. 
However, the fingerprint in her car was not a match to him. It is not known if the DNA matched him or not. Investigators continue to hope that Leah will someday be found. They believe that her remains are somewhere near the area where her car was found. This is also featured on an episode of Disappeared, which I've heard some good things about. That was a good show. It was on, uh, I believe it was on, it was on a bunch of different networks. It was on ID. Was it Investigation Discovery? It was on yeah. ID. It was on Oxygen, Oprah's network. Yeah. Um, it might have been on Lifetime, even. Uh-huh. What's up with all the true crime so what, stuff being on the on the women's channels? I don't understand that. Well, the men, the the channel for men also had a had a unsolved mysteries as well, but like not the shit one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, garbage. The Dennis Farina reboot. Um. Anyway, what do you think happened to Leah? I I mean I I just, I think she just she, I mean first of all she's dead right I mean. Well, yeah. If she wasn't, yeah. there's no way she's not dead. So she's dead. How did she die? Somebody probably murdered her. I mean, unless she got fucking attacked by a grizzly bear or something in the woods <laughs> in Washington. Or she could have just died of, you know, starvation or something. No. Got lost in the woods somewhere. No, she would have. She The most likeliest scenario, she flagged someone down. They picked her up and they killed her and most likely sexually assaulted her but that's not interesting <laughs> I, I know sad but true or that's not captivating okay or, fine you know, Mike. compelling she was in the pacific northwest so you know what bigfoot cap <laughs> captured her made her his wife and she learned to love him and now they're raising these hybrid uh <sighs> animal hum humanoid beings <laughs> So she found Harry and uh, fell in love with him and had his babies. Okay. All right. That, uh, yep. That, that's definitely more compelling. Uh, I'll go with that theory. No, really, uh, I think there's something to be said about her actually going into the woods and doing the whole Jack Kerouac thing. I think she just got to the point uh, where she was just so far. Um, out of her comfort zone and and uh, out of the ability to really handle things, because the Pacific Northwest and the in that area, like it's a really dense area of forest and all these other things. So, um, what easily could have happened is, like I said, she tried to do her introspective journey. Maybe in the middle of it, she actually had a mental breakdown. As a result, she couldn't focus and and handle with this situation or figure out a way out of the woods and died somewhere and and you know animals ate her remains and there there's a reason why there's not a whole lot of evidence left behind i mean that's why they say you know she could have also fell in the river and that's another thing that could have happened well that area you know it is so you know wild out there that you know yes. people are like oh well why haven't we found bigfoot's remains and then you know it's like well an animal dies in the forest and by in a day's time all their remains are picked clean and you know including the bones sometimes so yeah that's the cleanest way to die i feel like if you're gonna die just die in the woods and have you know the animals you know get sustenance off your body and you return to yeah. you know you you because replenish nature 
because I don't buy the theory that she was she hitched a ride or whatever because I don't think she was in the mindset where she could would actually trust anybody enough to be able to do that. Um, also, it's the whole wedding ring for thing for me. If why would that be like why would the killer just leave that behind? That doesn't make any sense, especially the way that it is. Maybe it fell off in a struggle. Maybe. I, it, it just, the way that things are set up and the passport and all that stuff is left behind. Um, I don't know. When you get into a car wreck like that, say she did make it or say she did get into the wreck. She was in the vehicle and because she was wearing her seatbelt, she didn't really get that badly injured to leave blood. Ah. When you get, when you get into a car wreck, dude, I remember getting into, when I got into my car wreck, I was so like out of it my mind was just racing so much i was trying to dial my parents phone number to like call them and i forgot their phone number because uh-huh. i was so like confused and amped up from being in the car right? the adrenaline yeah the adrenaline so i think it was uh, one of those things where she's just like fuck i need to get to the road and get help or something and then you know got picked up by the wrong person and that's Maybe. why all that stuff because you know, in that moment, you're not thinking, well, let me gather all my, you know, possessions that might help me, you know. But that was like in the in the, in the middle of the forest, and she's not really that familiar with that area or that terrain. So I don't even know how she would even, from that point, find a road. I guess that's why this is on a show called Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, are you ready to move on to Brian Nisenfeld? Yes. Yes. All right. This was uh, actually from the Ultimate Collection box set. I always have to bring oh, that up. It was? Yep. Every huh. every time we talk about a case, that's from there. Right when I think was it on Bizarre Murders. Uh, yes, it was. It was on Bizarre Murders. Um, it was called. What was the name of it? Campus Calamity. Ah. Yes. Uh, they had to come up with cutesy names for the uh, segments for the box set for some reason. They couldn't just. I guess just like Rick's Rampage. Yeah, just calling it. Brian Nissenfeld, I guess, doesn't have the same ring to it as Campus Calamity. So anyway, in January of 1997, 18-year-old college freshman Brian Nissenfeld began his second semester studying architecture at Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island. Brian was quiet and had few friends. He spent most of his time reading or listening to music by the water's edge under the Mount Hope Bridge. The architecture program was tough, and Brian was very homesick at the time. On January 31st, 1997, Brian received a threatening phone call from a former Roger Williams University student who said he was going to, quote, get him. Just like some fucking, like, like 1980s cartoon. <laughs> now the villain, like, I'm going to get you. And that he could get Ooh. him on campus. The call startled Brian, so he called his father, Steve, at 12.30 a.m. and asked him to come to the university. His father told him to call campus security, and when he did, they told him to change his phone number. I think the whole get him thing, like that was probably one of those unsolved mysteries translations. There was probably more to it than, you know, we're going to get you. We're going to get you, Brian. It's your garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of saying, uh, you know, instead of the caller, like, you know, I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, they're, they're like changed it to yeah. get him. Yeah. Um, 
But it isn't what is it, an architecture. It's Roger Williams University in like Rhode Island. I don't know. Maybe maybe they would be so uh, hoity-toity. They'd just be like, "I'm going to get you. I'm going uh, to stab you in the heart with a uh, protractor. I'm gonna I'm going to get you, and I'm going to make your life very unhappy and very miserable. I'm gonna use this." Uh, architecture 90 degree angle ruler thing that all architecture all architects have and i'm going to lob your head off with it because i'm going to sharpen it that would be really creative uh, i'm just trying to think of like ways arch- architects would kill another architect he just sends him a plan you yeah, know, a schematic a, a, first plan, a schematic how gonna, of how he's gonna get it yeah it's gonna be on the blue paper <laughs> with the little white dots just going to have his head with X's in the eyes at the end when he's finally dead. Um, oh, my God. So then on February 6, 1997, Brian finished his literature class and was never seen alive again. Surprisingly, Brian's parents were not notified that he was missing until February 12th, like almost a week later. Wow, that is pretty surprising. Steve, the father, went to Brian's room at the university and discovered everything was st- was uh, still. It was probably supposed to read everything was still there or something. It just says everything yeah. was still. Well, maybe it's like everything. It, it seemed like things were frozen in place. Yeah. It seemed as if Brian had o- left only briefly and was coming back to his room when something happened to him. Later, Brian's mother, Marianne, received a mysterious call from a woman who claimed to be, quote, associated with the school and that an administrator and two faculty members were withholding information from the case, but then the phone line went dead, which, you know, that, again, as you said, has become a cliche at this point, to just, like, kind of give information and then, like, hang up. But with this case, if it's somebody who's associated with the school, uh, that can tie in with some of the things where uh, maybe it was someone who was involved with the administration or related to somebody who was high up in the administration, like a son or something who was the one who was responsible for getting Brian. And, uh, there were two faculty members that were withholding information of the case because they didn't want to be tied to that. And then they didn't want to lose their jobs and so on and so forth. Or it could have been a red herring, which is a fun, yes. a fun thing that I like a fun mystery word. Mm-hmm. I like to say that I don't get to say mm-hmm. very much. Uh, the person who did it could have made that call, trying to throw or had or had had somebody yeah else had make someone else make them. the call and, and was trying to throw them off the his tracks by saying, "Oh, it's you know the administrationers they're withholding information." Ah, the game is afoot. Yes. Six months later, on Labor Day weekend, nineteen ninety-seven, Lori Vallis and her daughter Chelsea were walking along Hog Island Beach a few miles from the university when they discovered a shoe on the shore. When they looked in the shoe, they found a foot inside. And the the, the woman's description on the show, it was kind of gross. I'll always remember how she described it. She goes, I saw the shoe and I poked my stick inside and it felt like it was something in there, like blocking it. And then when I looked, I saw this white, almost plasticky looking thing and then some flesh. Uh, I don't know what this white plasticky thing unless she's saying the bone, but either way, yeah. it's like, oh god, I know. was there yeah. a jellyfish in there or something? Ooh. Like gross. I mean, just 
just finding any body parts. I know. It's, you know, it's just, just, it's like, this is not good because if this foot is in the shoe on this beach, that means that no one knows about this yet. Because the cops yeah. would, you know, this would not be here if the cops knew about it. So I am literally finding. Yeah, would that be that? I mean, technically, you found kind of a dead body. Technically. Yep. But. It's not a full stand-by-me situation where you actually see, you know, a full uh, corpse yeah, so, in, the, in the woods somewhere, but... So if, like, a human foot makes up, say, like, 10% of the human body, does that mean you're only 10% traumatized when you find the, the I, dead foot? I don't know. I mean, I'd still be pretty fucking traumatized. Like, if the woman who found the foot... <laughs> I mean, even if I found a fucking finger, just somebody's severed pinky finger on the beach or on the side of the road. Oh, well, you're talking 5% be... traumatization there for a finger. Yeah. Finger. The person could still be alive if it's a finger. Well, if it's a foot, though, you're, you're that's yeah. some serious bleeding out. Or a, or a hand. Yeah, a hand. That would be bad. But if you put her in a room with someone who who found a full dead body, I, I bet the traumatization would be around 10% with the foot lady. I don't know. I think it just depends. It just depends on the individual. Would you have to go to Some therapy people... for that and tell the therapist, I found a, a foot in a boot and now I'm traumatized because I found a dead body? And would the therapist then go, well, you didn't technically find a dead body. No, they, they would not. They wouldn't do that. I feel like I'm they like turning into Larry David right now. With the, there wouldn't be like semantics. They yeah, wouldn't uh, semantic. pull semantics on the fucking traumatized uh, patient. You know, What, what uh, if she tried using that as like her, her, her reason for being a dick to people? I found a dead body on the beach. And then her it's like, well, uh, uh, Mary, let's let's be fair here. You, you only you found, found uh, like ten percent of the dead body. You found the foot, and it, you know, if you're gonna find any dead body part, the foot would probably be the least traumatic. Because let's I don't know. Let's face I mean, it. If you it, found a torso and only the torso, that that would be far yeah, more like disturbing. the torso killer. Yeah, yeah. Or a severed oh, head. Oh, the head would be the worst. Or an eyeball. An eye would be pretty bad, but I don't think an eye would preserve long enough outside of the head because it's mainly water no i know but i mean if it would be like right after this has gotten really morbid really fast i know yeah i know it has but uh what about a toe (laughs) again the the, the toe you this person might still be alive you know they're not happy but they're alive maybe (laughs) so dna tests Um, showed that the foot along with a shin bone found nearby, belonged to Brian. Um, I like that. Belonged to Brian. Like the police are going to knock on his door and be like, hey, we found your foot. Uh, this belongs. <laughs> we found your shin bone as this well. This belongs to you. It's got your name written on the inside of it. And it's, you know, so we figured it was yours. So here it is. I think the, the, the shoe with the foot in it is what makes it even more yeah. traumatizing. Yeah. Because every time you look at a shoe, you know, or even like you put on your shoe, like you would, you would, uh, there would be that thing in the back of your head, like, oh my God, like I found a dead foot in the shoe. That's got to be like a shark attack, right? Because I mean, the shark's not going to want to, yeah. the shark's not going to want to eat the, the boot because that's, it's like got like, you know, the rubber. Oh, and the... oh so he wasn't even uh, uh, murdered then. He was, you know, what got him was a shark. Down by the Jaws scenario. Well, I mean, the okay. 
<laughs> I don't know that the jury's out on if it was an accident or whatever. But I think the reason yeah. why you only see a foot wash up on the beach in still in the boot, uh, because I feel like a, if someone was like you know going all Fargo style on Brian and and putting him in a wood chipper, they would at least oh, probably take the, uh, the the shoes off. I I would think because that would well I don't know. Anyway. Uh, the foot belonged to Brian. Authorities could find no other remains, but presume that Brian is dead. Oh, you think? <laughs> Here's a foot and a shin bone. Uh, he could still be alive. Um, however, they cannot determine what exactly happened to him. Some believe Brian may have accidentally fallen into the river from the water's edge or may have been distraught over personal problems of troubles in school and jumped from Mount Hope Bridge. However, his family and friends do not believe that he could have died accidentally or committed suicide because the families never fucking think no, that, that someone could have uh, committed suicide or died accidentally. They always want to think that they were murdered because that makes the universe a little bit more... It makes the universe make sense to them a little bit more. Mm. People don't like the idea that things can just happen to you and you just die. They like to think that someone is in control of a situation and someone I think that's why all the 9/11 truthers out there want to cling to that whole thing. Yeah. Because they don't But I I think accidental deaths though, I think I think people especially family members, I think they can handle those uh pretty well too because it's just like oh, you know, life just dealt him a bad hand at that moment and you know sucks but uh it, it says it's 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 the not knowing for sure what happened so when you don't know for sure that it's an accident that you just fell off a, a cliff some somewhere or whatever then then that's what makes you want to lean more towards he was murdered well, I think because I think even with the accident scenario, sure. if the family wasn't there to see the accident, they're still going to be like, well, you know, was it an accident or, you know, uh, did somebody it, it depends. It depends on what it what what happened. Yeah. It depends on what the accident is like. I even went through this period when my dad passed away. I started thinking like, well, I started getting these crazy thoughts that I know aren't true, but I started thinking, well, what... Well, like somebody set him yeah, up. Yeah, like, or, what if my mom know. had something to do with it, or what if, you know, some... Oh what God. if someone had, like, poisoned him? You've been watching too many episodes of Unsolved yeah. Mysteries, my friend. Well, because it's... It, because honestly, those thoughts are more comforting than, oh, well, he just died because his health failed. You know, his yeah. liver failed, or whatever. It That, that kind of random cancer. kind of r- randomness know? of nature is disturbing to us as and humans. cancer is like one of the worst roulette oh yeah because an- anyone can get it at any at any get. time and then once you get it i mean your chances of survival it just it all depends it depends on because i'm dealing with a friend of mine uh she's been battling cancer just over and over again and uh she's un- understandably uh worried that she's not gonna make that it that sucks yeah. Like a year ago or so, when I've had that stupid uh, lump in my shoulder, which I still have. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 I went through a little scare with that, where I was like, "Well, you know, the doctors are like, oh, well, we don't know what it is, you know." And I'm like, yeah, "Remember that? You're like, uh, what do you mean you don't know what it yeah, is? Yeah, I'm like, you're the expert. Yeah. And they're like, oh well. Uh, what freaked me out the most was when the fucking RN. Uh, when I was seeing uh-huh. her and I was like, hey, could you just, just like feel this on my shoulder and yeah. tell me like what what it is? And she felt uh-huh. it and she goes, hmm, 
I don't know, but I definitely would get that checked out. And I'm like, you would definitely get it checked out? Uh-huh. What do you mean yeah. you would de- like <laughs> couldn't you give given me like I would, you know, maybe ah get it checked out when you have whenever you have time or or you know, yeah. like the Seinfeld thing. It could have at least given me a get out of here. What cancer? Get out of here. You know, I would have loved for, no, for yeah. a get out of here. I didn't get any of that. I got I would definitely get that checked out. Well, it could have been worse. It could have been like, uh, I think that might be cancer. So you I mean, that's essentially that what out. she was saying. <laughs> but then I got all those tests and waiting on the results. I'm like, oh, my God, because yeah. it was this weird formation. And yeah. no one, none of my other friends have it. And, and to this day, uh-huh. you know, this a CT scan came just, back. It's just a knot in your shoulder. Yeah, it's just a, it's more of like a calcification. It's not like yeah. like a knot is kind of uh it's kind of got some give to it when you press on it, but this thing's like a mm-hmm. fucking like bone formation almost. It's weird. Like if you had a lot of money, you could probably get that. I removed. I at least want to get like a biopsy on it just to know what it is, yeah. but they say it's not cancerous, so I just haven't been it's, worrying about it's it. It's your uh, Siamese twin. Yeah. <laughs> I got one on my le- I got one on the left side of my body too on in the same uh, relatively the same area on the opposite side but it's smaller. So, I'm thinking whatever it is it has to do with the fact that my right side is more dominant so the whatever is bigger and then the left side is not as dominant. I don't know. That's just Jack. He didn't make it. <laughs> Jack Cannon. <laughs> um so anyway, um the family doesn't believe that Brian killed himself or it was an accident. They believe he was mur- murdered. They also may uh they also believe he may have been killed by the same person who was threatening him through the phone uh calls that occurred in the weeks before his disappearance. When the man, Josh Cohen, whose name was withheld on Unsolved Mysteries, oh well that's interesting they actually gave him the name. Uh when he was identified by campus officials, his family discovered that the two had been close friends during Brian's first semester. And they may have been homosexual partners. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this segment really... uh, I I don't think it it wasn't homophobic or anything. It just kind of tiptoed around it. It seemed like they tiptoed around him being gay. Like, they just kind of set it up as like, oh... that's one of the theories. I I think they were just kind of like going over it just like they were any of the other situations. I yeah, think I yeah, think I nowadays know. on the show they would like call Brian brave and and and, and yeah, celebrate yeah. And, and be all like, you know, uh-huh. he was a target of um a hate crime. They would like pump it yeah, up because yeah. like that that's yeah. just how things are now with like how Uber SJW everything is. But back in this segment they just kind of yeah. like glossed, you know, they didn't gloss over it, but they they were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, this may have been, may or may not, and that we don't really know. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Was it, was, was, because uh, I remember I was talking to Josh on, about this case, and, 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 uh, and, uh, he was like, oh. I just thought it was, was funny how, like, he was super gay. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny, um, like how serious the episode was, and, 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 yeah. you know, you never hear Stack say things like, Brian was gay. <laughs> like, yeah. He just it was just it was silly hearing those words come out of Robert Stack's mouth because he seems like such a serious guy and he's like that Brian was a homosexual. Like I don't know, it's just it's just I, I don't know. I mean was, maybe that's just the little bit of your uh I th- this is I I think uh Josh's reaction to this segment is a subconscious sort of thing from his past. 
I really think it's a young teenage Josh and his own wanting, uh, wanting, battles. wanting to be gay in college and yeah. and and, and yeah. Uh, not being able to uh, express yeah. that. Yeah, Mike. I guess you're right. I guess you found me out. <laughs> That's what it is. No, I'm just. That's why just I connected with it so much. <laughs> <laughs> you silly bastard. Um. So yeah, that was one of the things. Uh, however. Uh, their relationship, this Josh Cohen guy and Brian, their relationship ended a few weeks before Brian's disappearance. Some believe that the man was going to come forward about his and Brian's relationship and that Brian committed suicide as a result. However, his family believes that the former student may have been involved in or was responsible for Brian's death. As for now, the case of Brian Neisenfeld remains open and unsolved. They also don't mention this article, or maybe they're about to, um... Blah, 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 blah. He uh, said Josh Cohen guy and Brian were friends during Brian's first semester. Some believe he may have had a secret uh, homosexual relationship. Um, They're just reiterating shit they already said. Anyway, the police had like interviewed this guy and he was completely Mm -hmm. cooperative. And they were just straight up like, yeah, we we are comfortable that this Josh Cohen guy is not a suspect. We don't think he was. Yeah, we don't think he was involved. But when you, you know, when you have someone who turns up dead and you got this other guy who's making these threatening phone calls and shit, I mean, yeah, you know, it's it it makes sense that you would want to, like, follow that that. Tra- That's a natural conclusion yeah, to make that fo- follow that train of thought, especially if you're an investigator. Um, I don't know with this case uh, could have been suicide. That's a possibility. But I don't. Th- there wasn't a suicide note or anything, right? No. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. There isn't always a, there. You know that some people think like, oh, there's always a suicide note. That's not. That's not the case. Um, could have been. He could have been murdered. Although the motive for murdering him seems a little flimsy from what we know of the case. And it also could have been an accidental thing. Like, he just, you know, was hanging out near the river or the bridge or whatever and <clears throat> fell. Fell into His the river. His parents didn't really strike me as people who would, who would have been, like, overly upset if he had, in fact, been gay. No. Like, so I don't, I don't think no. he... I don't think it was, like, a suicide thing because he was afraid yeah. of his parents and his hometown, like, their reaction... But sometimes mm. you don't... Um... Speaking of the whole thing with... Uh, you were mentioning that... Because the more I think about the segment, I think they did a good, they did a good job handling you know, the, the plausible, very plausible idea and con- concept that he was, he was gay. Uh, and, and they weren't... Other than narration from Stack and stuff like that, they weren't like... They didn't cast an actor and have the actor like act super you know flamboyant or anything or you know be some kind of flaming stereotype so that that was something that was really nice to see because a lot of times when in when media portrayals of of you know gay men uh or even gay women it's it's like really over the top so it was nice to see you know something that was just like you know he might have actually been into dudes and they just portrayed him in a way where he was just kind of a normal guy. Yeah, I mean, as they 
as they probably should do. Um, those yeah. stereotype characters are annoying, I think, to the audience, too, because it just takes you out of it. Like, you know, oh, my God, I saw the funniest. Uh, I forgot. I, sh- I need to. I, sh- I felt like I should have made a note or maybe I did make a note. Uh-huh. There was this uh, episode of Unsolved Mysteries I was watching about yeah. this uh, black chick who uh, ended up dead in her car. And they went uh-huh. through the whole story about how her her cousin and his friend borrowed the car, and then the car, like the 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 gear shift knob broke, so they had to leave it somewhere, park somewhere. And when she came back to the house later on that night, dude, the li- the living room scene, the music they were listening to on the TV in the reenactment, it was so stereotypically awful, like oh. music that like. Oh well, young black men must listen to this. It was literally like I can't even oh, demonstrate to you how bad it was. I I oh, really like want to check my phone to see if I made a note. Well, I mean this this is a show that had a white actor in blackface in one scene in in a segment. Really? So you know, yeah. Remember we I told you about that. We talked about that case. Oh uh, yeah, I feel I like we correctly. did, but I forgot. I'm surprised. Maybe we didn't talk about that case, but we did. We did talk about it. Damn, I'm stupid. Why didn't I make a note of that? It was it was so fucking funny how bad. Uh, Just out of touch. Sometimes you know, John and Terry being out of touch. But in this instance, they weren't. Probably because they just let the you know writers or whatever producers, just other producers, just hey, this is the case. Let's just do it straightforward. Uh, you know, hire an actor just to play this character, and not even really probably didn't even tell the guy you're playing a guy who uh is you're playing a gay man like they probably were just like you're just playing this guy named brian i don't know what to say i just found out i'm gay in a world of pure imagination all right so a <laughs> <laughs> uh, whole whole to do about nothing or whatever that is all right now we're getting yeah. into the perks of being 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 yes. a josh flower Fifteen years ago, when I was a youth, I would write in this online diary on Zanga.com. For ten years, I wrote in this online diary from age 14 to age 24. We are now going back in time as I uncovered my archives of these archived diaries on my hard drive buried deep into the pits of my e-drive in hopes that I would never find it again. But I have unearthed it. And you, the fine listeners of this podcast, have expressed great interest in my childhood pain and overly dramatic ass self. So now we read you a few more entries from the perks of being a Josh Fowler. Now, last week we discovered that I went through a phase where I couldn't, quote, (laughs) get it up to girls anymore. So let's see how old Josh is doing on Sunday, November 14th, 2004. Just read one of my old ex's letters to me. She said she loved me. Then a month later, we are no more. I wonder what happened to that love that she supposedly had for me. I'll tell you what happened to it. It was never there. If you love someone, you don't cheat on them, talk bad about them behind their backs, and all this other BS that happened. That's not love. That's bullshit. You are bullshit, and you know who you are. (laughs) You hear the word love used between young people and their girlfriends or boyfriends, but why do we say we love someone? Is it that love-type sensation that we feel when we say that word to someone we love? Or is it just something that reassures the other person that we still will tolerate them? 
I, for one, am tired of saying I love people. I only, the only people I love are my parents and God. Everyone else is just kind of there to take up my free time. Even Casey, which is the chick that I started uh-huh. dating last week that you will hear a lot more about in these journals. Even Casey, I mean, geez, I like her a lot, but I don't love her. I didn't love Sarah, which was another ex that cheated on me who was a whore. I didn't love Stephanie. I didn't love Brittany. Don't remember who the fuck Brittany even was. They were all just bricks in the wall, for lack of better. Oh, my God, Josh. Are you really comparing your life to Pink Floyd, you fuck? You fucking nothing. Uh, But I'm starting to wake up from a lot of things and see what the fuck I'm doing for once. But at the same time, I'm falling back in the same habits that kill and ruin lives, such as fill in the blank. I actually leave a, a, a... long line of underscores as a blank that people can fill in okay uh i probably am doing it at this point but all this to say that life is pretty confusing and fucked up most of the time jeez the fucking angst (laughs) yes so josh is is young josh spread it with a knife is pondering the the uh the 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 meanings of love at, at that on that yeah. day. Um, it didn't have as much manic energy as I thought it was going to have. There, you know, I was I was almost expecting you uh, ranting about love and and going crazy like Chris Farley does in Tommy Boy when he loses his sail. You know, and I kill it, and I crush it, and it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was in one of my more um, <laughs> lucid moments just then. Yeah. Um. <laughs> pondering josh that, that's that's what, what that's what we got there then i think is it lisa i think lisa comments okay josh what is this bullcrap about you saying on november 14th that you're not going to tell any more girls that you love them except for your parents and the one you really love how long have you been dating this girl seriously a couple of weeks a month uh okay whatever blah, 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 blah. let me see here you know when you how long had you been dating that girl oh Casey, um, for maybe a few weeks or something. But see, the thing is, Casey was the first girl <laughs> I ever dated that was like I was like really, really attracted to. Like she was like the first hot chick I ever dated. Yeah. I found her on Facebook recently. I I added her because these goddamn diaries uh-huh. are are stirring up all these old memories of people uh-huh. I used to know. Yeah, I found Casey. She's dating someone. She's pregnant now. Uh, she's still fucking hot though. I I tried saying hey to her but so she's basically just someone that you used to know yeah sadly i really i really think her and i could have made a good couple because she was weird and attractive and had a great personality and her mom forced us to break up which i will get into later in here oh that sucks let me see that's fucking lame all right whenever that happens saturday november 27th 2004 hello hello well i guess i'm going to update Well, let's see. This was a long weekend. Four and a half days of quote-unquote freedom. But it wasn't really freedom because of fucking Thanksgiving and having to go to that. And then today, (laughs) I had to work all day. So that was no fun either. Wednesday, I didn't do anything. And Friday, I didn't do anything. Tomorrow, I probably won't do anything but get fucking depressed because of fucking school. (laughs) I've been having what feels like one long panic attack this whole weekend. Why? I have no idea. The scary thing about me is, I don't need a reason to have a problem. It just comes and goes as it pleases. I swear I think I'm possessed. My life... (laughs) My life... I'm possessed! (laughs) 
My life sucks. Why do these things happen to me? I watched an HBO thing a long time ago about this kid who killed his mom. So now every time I see my mom, I think about it and it disturbs me. Damn, Ooh. I don't feel right in the head anymore. I feel like I have degenerative brain cancer or something. Oh, yeah. What? Dude, again with the drama, man. Oh, yeah. I also was with my cousin Thursday night and we smoked a cigarette, but something funny happened while I was doing it. Not ha-ha funny, weird funny. I just started freaking out. We were in a dark room with music playing and I just started getting all paranoid and just felt really, really weird. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Man, have I... I have smoked here millions of times, and now all of a sudden this? What gives, man? So, of course, my cousin... Probably wasn't a normal cigarette. Yeah, I know. It was by uh, Jeffrey. <laughs> he got, got that spliff going on. Uh, so, of course, my cousin thought I was a freaking weirdo, and he made fun of me for it. Then that night, I had a horrible dream about my mom dying, so that kind of set the trend for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, so today, the whole time I was working, I kept trying to breathe, and it felt like my lungs were slightly constricted, and I have been wheezing really bad, so man, fuck me, my life has been going to shit lately. J Josh, it's not lately, okay? It's this whole time, alright? <laughs> Don't say lately as though you had a good time. Like, you've, yeah. you've... Because you've even said, like, oh, today was great. This fucking sucks! <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I have made a resolution. I need to, one, stop smoking. Two, stop whacking off so much. You, oh, oh, stop smoking. You smoke like one cigarette. I know, like, I know. Not, I back, and you didn't like I it. I literally smoked like maybe five or six cigarettes a week back then. Two, I need to stop wha whacking off so much. Three, stop watching <laughs> so much shit on TV. With this, I hope to better myself physically and emotionally because the plan I got now just ain't working. And I also need to lose some weight. I don't know, know though. I feel so weird. Maybe it's from lack of sleep or something or just being tired, but I feel like I'm not totally alone in my body. It feels like something is in me influencing my thoughts and feelings. Oh my what God. the fuck, dude? Sometimes I wonder if I'm possessed or going crazy or if I think too damn much. Or, well, please feel free to post comments on this one. And another issue in my life is Casey and me. Good Lord, I love that girl so much, but hell if we ever see each other. God, I'm so frustrated! <laughs> in all caps with a lot of exclamation points every oh, every time man. i want to do something with her i can't because her stupid ass parents are so controlling over her they want to control every little thing and i want to show my love for her you know but it's proving it to be impossible i don't know it's so frustrating and uh i have worked so hard and it's coming to a halt and i couldn't be more depressed about i don't know i and i'm and my band, oh, and my band that I have worked so hard in is coming to a halt. So I guess It Is Finished was breaking up. And I couldn't be... It is finished. Yep, is it finished. was finished. <laughs> and I couldn't be more depressed about that. So my life right now has just been a pile of dog dually. I think I meant dookie. <laughs> no, I said, that's right, dually. I like that word. It's nice. Yeah, I hate the holidays. I hate them! I always feel like crap whenever they come... Around, so I'm gonna go, but feel free. Fucking Thanksgiving, fucking Christmas, with my parents and grandma still alive, and you know, everything relatively under control and peaceful in my life at this point, and not having to fucking worry about paying for a roof over my head. But god damn it, my life sucks. 
<laughs> I do remember watching that show on HBO though. It was so fucking weird. It was uh it was yeah. this kid who like literally he like him and his mom went out on a, on a walk and he just like killed her and and he literally What was the name of that show? I don't remember, but he like killed her and he went to jail for it and he was like so fucking remorseful. He's like I don't know why I did it. I I just I regret I miss my mom so much and he was like crying and shit. Uh-huh. You know, that like fucked me up. I was like, God damn! Like, what if? You think you're possessed? What if I did you're, that? You're, you're a regular. You were a regular ghost boy at that point. Yeah. In time, thinking that you know you're possessed by all these spirits and whatever. I mean, I, I, I mean, if somebody just looked at your Zanga post, they might be like, Yeah, that boy is possessed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That boy like, ain't right. like, like that boy ain't right. Like teenagers <laughs> go through uh, a lot of shit, man. So like. Yeah, I I'm friends with this um this chick randomly added me who lives in like Missouri or something, and she likes uh-huh. my band, and she's been trying to talk to me on Messenger. A, she's like 16, so I'm really not even trying to. Yeah, you're like I'm mm-hmm. really not trying to even mm-hmm. talk to her, but like she's like super like the shit she's posting on Facebook and the shit she messages me. Is this like really like feel sorry for myself, like you know, like yeah. everything sucks kind of stuff. And uh-huh. I'm like, man, this chick's really fucked up. But as I'm like going through these journals of mine, like I didn't I forgot how like fucked up I used to be in the head, you know? How how Tumblr uh post uh Yeah, and I guess that's just how some teenagers are they just get really dramatic Mm -hmm. and deep in their feelings and they don't i and you know the thing is when i look back i enjoyed my life i really did i no i wanted to live i didn't want to die i wasn't i i mean part of it's hormonal yeah like when you're going through puberty and all that kind of stuff you you have all these different emotions and with uh with girls like they they you know the, the the hormones and all of that like they tend there are studies that have shown that like even you know higher you know uh rates of of emotional you know distress and things like that and just dealing with all these different things and then of course the pressure of you know what what's involved with that too you know trying to fit in and all of that but that's something that you know both you know uh both genders can definitely uh, attest to. Yeah. You know, trying to fit in. So this is the last one I'll read, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, this is on... two. So I didn't update for a while, because it was the holidays, I guess, and I was just, you know, doing that. So this is Tuesday, December 28th, 2004. We're almost into 2005, guys. Hello, Zanga. I don't, up the, I don't update this site because I don't care about it. I just like looking at other people's lives and how much more exciting they are than mine. Well, I had an exciting moment today, but it was not the exciting that you want. Anyone, anyone know... So it's not exciting at all? <laughs> yeah. Anyone know what panic attacks are? Oh, this is when I start, first started getting fucking panic attacks. Yeah, strap yourselves in, folks. <laughs> so you were mentioning, like, oh, it feels like one long panic attack, and you're like... Young Josh, you don't have a fucking clue no, or an no, idea. My, of what, my panic, what a real no. My panic attacks were actually yeah. way worse back. I've got them under control now, but back then yeah. I didn't know how to control them. I yeah. like, dude, those panic attacks are like the worst things ever. Like, yeah, I was talking about like the moment you were talking about. You're on the weekend. Oh or yeah. Whatever, so that that probably wasn't 
a real panic attack. That was just anxiety or whatever. Yeah, like, I had my first... Probably what you're going to... I had my first panic attack in 2001. Um, so now we're in 2004. So I've been dealing with these for three years now. So I guess I'm starting to open up mm. about them more on my Zanga at this time. So I say, anyone know what panic attacks are? Well, they suck. They are also known as anxiety attacks. And I used to get I mm-hmm. used to get them a lot, right? Like a year ago, I got them really bad. Like every time I would leave my house. Well, guess what? That's right. I'm getting them again. I don't know why or how. I just am, and it sucks. The most horrible ass. The, I just write the most horrible ass you could imagine in your mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a hairy, yep, a horrible uh, ass, pimple ridden. I mean, maybe I meant the most horrible ass thing. I don't know, but I just said the most horrible ass <laughs> you could imagine in your mind. What is the most horrible ass you can? It's imagine like a in your fucking uh, cottage cheese looking, like a I don't know, like a forty year old man who's like three hundred pounds. I don't know. Anyway, for, um. For me, my throat starts to tense up and then my body keeps telling me I want more air. So I yawn a lot like I'm doing now. Then I keep yawning and pretty soon my lungs start exhaling more to let out all the excess carbon dioxide. So hyperventilating. And then I run low on oxygen and carbon dioxide and I start getting a suffocating sensation. It's the worst feeling ever. It feels exactly like suffocating, but you don't die. It's hard to explain unless you yourself have had one. But they are reoccurring now, and I have no earthly idea why. I think I need something in my life to make my life difficult. I need a challenge, and my mind sees panic attacks as a damn good challenge for me to overcome, so it makes me have them every time I'm in the car going somewhere or something like that. Well, not every time. Hmm. Certain things can even set me off, like smoke and stuff like that. But man, this is uh, hell. I can't deal with this. Before this was... Before this, it was a noise I thought I kept hearing. Then before that, it was a nervous stomach all the time. It's like, shit, am I just a nervous, jittery person to where my mind needs something to occupy it? I don't know. I just hate my life. I seriously do. I'm not happy in anything. I'm not content with anything. I have taken God out of my life a lot, and I think that has something to do with it because I feel like I can't even control my mind sometimes. And I wonder if that's because I've gotten away from God. I just don't know! Uh, All caps with exclamation point. Christmas went pretty good for me. I got two Rush CDs, two Xbox games, a cello, a multi-track recorder. So that was pretty good. So, so, dude, I went from like the, lo- the waves of emotion. the lowest lows to like Christmas was pretty good. Uh, so that was pretty good. Still haven't been able to see Casey, which sucks a lot. I don't even feel like we have a real relationship anymore, like I ever did. I mean, what is our relationship except for talking on the phone? That's no relationship. That's such bullshit that her parents force us to have to go through. Man, we can't do shit together because her fucking bitch-ass parents. Ah, I hate them so much! I'm very mixed up right now, and my grandma's in the hospital, and my dad's got a slip disc in his neck, so he's in constant pain, and I'm on, quote, probation at my school, which means if I get 25 more demerits, I'm kicked out. Man, I need some serious fucking therapy and fast. Not a lot of shit going on in that one. Yeah, a lot of for sure. a lot of foreshadowing. When I say yes. when I say um, I always need something occupying my mind. Yeah, that's true. To this day, I I feel like I always need a problem. 
I find that I find that interesting that your brain went to that for why you're you were having panic attacks. Well, is that oh I need to you know have more things to you know deal with or especially the difficult stuff like not necessarily stuff to keep your mind busy because you went straight for like I need a challenge and I'm like it, wouldn't that necessarily make things worse if you're in that mindset you're doing something more difficult that you can't really wrap your head around and it would just make you even more frustrated. I think what I was trying to say and, was that like my brain always has to have a problem and I, I, I guess yeah. I worded it like challenge, but like, it's like, I yeah. always have to have something that is bugging me or something that I've gotten a lot better about that over the last few uh-huh. years to where I've, I, cause that can't be, that can't, that can't be healthy for your mindset to always, you know, I have to have some kind of problem. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know where, where it comes from. It's, it's literally been there my whole life. I remember being like in first grade and having these, like what I mentioned in this, in this entry, yeah. nervous stomachs, my anxiety would be mm-hmm. so bad. My, st- I just get these awful stomach aches. I had this like separation anxiety from my mom like literally ever since i was like yeah. it's ever since i can remember i've i've had anxiety nervousness anybody i talk to who has panic attacks they're like oh yeah it started happening when i was 18 it started happening after uh-huh. this traumatic event for me from the fucking hop from the word go in my life i've had anxiety problems since i was a little kid and 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 sounds like something definitely uh went awry in your brain i mean did the did the uh, doctor when, when, who like pulled me out my mom did he like finger my butthole or something when i was a newborn oh like what God. kind of like early trauma oh am God. i am i am i fucking blocking here holy shit yeah i mean that's probably what he got in his finger after you, he did it were, oh were you abducted by aliens you were abducted by aliens honestly i think it has something to do like... with the fact that when i was born i i was my heart wasn't beating and they had to no okay. they had to inject me my heart with adrenaline epinephrine or whatever ah, and so i was might have messed with your brain chemistry yeah so essentially i was dead yeah. i was dead for like the first few minutes that i came out of my mom i might like my heart wasn't beating but i'm thinking like you know they injected you with adrenaline at such a young so might have messed with your brain yeah chemistry. i I, li- I think i think it did and it's i mean for me uh i have you know they don't even call it asperger's anymore it's just on the autism spectrum so geez i think um, i'd rather it be called asperger's than than be like yeah, yeah you're on the autism spectrum yeah i know um but uh for me yeah it's just wires just weren't formed the same way as other people but you know like and the thing that you and i i was just backwards in my brain but you know i've caught up to things mentally and to the point where a lot of people like they don't even know i have it unless i tell them right and it's kind of it honestly was a huge uh, boon for me in college like because it because the way my brain works is so analytical and so almost uh, almost have a somewhat photographic memory with certain things so it made it so it was so much easier for me to do tests and do all these other things but i used to get test anxiety like a motherfucker when i was you know younger yeah when i was in uh, uh high school and stuff like that so much so i had i i had permission to take my tests in a in a in a in an enclosed room, you know, just by myself, and you know the test, and I could like listen to music or whatever, and I could use a calculator, or I could do these other things because it was just such a stressful thing. But I noticed that when I was going through college, like these tests and these exams, if I had any, 
I I don't know. Like I just wasn't as stressed out about it. And yeah, I guess I just I because the way my brain was working now, like I could cram a, you know the night before and a little bit before the test, and and I'd still decipher and and obtain enough information to be able to do fairly well. And then I would keep doing well, and then, so then I would just be like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just. I guess I can do this. <laughs> so I think that helps too. Is like when you actually get the confidence that you can actually do something. I mean, math's still a fucking problem with me, but that's because I struggle with things that involve multiple steps. That's what will really trigger my anxiety. And I've had moments at work when I'm just like, they're asking me to like, okay, I got the phone ringing like two or three, two times at once. Got guests I'm dealing with at the register and they got some other person showing up and asking about, have you seen something? I lost a, a, a mirror from my car. And it's just so many things. And you got people in your ear on the radio. And I handled it. But I had like a moment where I, I had that feeling of like, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's like, if this keeps going, I can't, you know, like if it's just a one time thing, I could deal with it. But if I'm dealing with this like all day, like I, I would I would have had to have like taken a break and like went outside mm-hmm. and and it doesn't help either. You're wearing a mask. So like you're not getting as much air in and you're not doing all this other stuff. So that that just makes things even, you know, more prone for just you know, not necessarily having a panic attack, but definitely dealing with some major anxiety. Yeah. Uh and and if a customer and there have been moments like if a customer like when I have those moments and a customer's really starting to get on me, then like I, I am, I I am like not at the point where I I should be around people, <laughs> you know. Like it's like I could barely, you know, pull pull it together. But like and I I can, I, my my anger and and other emotions are, are are a little more trigger happy in those kind of instances. And I'm probably sure you could probably relate to that, where like you're you're anxious and then it's like just been wound up yeah i mean i've come a long fucking way just like you you have like we we both we both like come a long way with our various uh uh challenges i guess i used to have to be drugged up all the time to deal with my anxiety (laughs) yeah me too i was on fucking packs i I was like on on antidepressant or anti-anxiety when i was 13 years old like uh what what, respiritol yeah uh yeah stuff like that yeah Yeah. like i mean the thing is though is like i know at the end of the day like i'm still my brain is still broken from you know from birth you know like Mm -hmm. it it comes out i just accepted it at this point i'm just like hey and you know i've i've been able as i've gotten older i've been able to and with more experience i've been able to look at it as like it's not a handicap yeah it's just something you have to deal with that is unique to you you know Yes. Like for me, and my shit comes out like in smaller ways now. Like I have a phobia of bridges. I have a phobia of flying. These these are things I just will not really like. You know, I I, I really hate the idea of flying. And what's with the bridges? Thing? I don't I don't know. It's the heights. I hate heights. You know. I mean, and and so it's a heights thing, and it's not just specifically for bridges. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. It's heights in general. Like I couldn't climb a ladder on top of my roof. Like I'd get halfway up yeah. the ladder I and I'd start freaking out. I don't out. like going on the ladders at work either, especially the big tall ones. 
but you know, I could do it. But if we're talking about heavier things that I got to bring down from there, I, I can't do it. Cause then I just, I just get too freaked out that I'm going to fall, yeah. you know, that I'm going to drop it or I'm going to drop, it's going to slip and I'm going to try to catch it. And then I'm going to hurt myself or something. You know, that that's what I think of when, when that, and it doesn't help either that these fucking ladders are fucking wobbly. Yeah. So you get up to the top and these tall ass fucking metal ladders and there you get, and it's fucking wobbly. It doesn't help either because, you know, you're already at the point where you're like, okay, this is, this is a little high. This is a fatal height. If I fall, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Crack my head open dead. And it's fucking wobbly. It's not even solid. <laughs> yeah, I'm also like yeah. the, like I'm I'm kind of ruminating on the fact that I I bring up in this last entry about mm-hmm. my dad's uh got a slip disc in his neck, so he's in yeah. constant pain. That was literally the beginning of the end for my dad. Like, so yeah. I guess Tuesday, December twenty eighth, two thousand four, kind of marked. The, my documentation of his downfall because that that mm-hmm. neck issue of his fucking bothered him until the day he died. It was the reason why. How did he get it? Uh, well, he just like worked. He just did manual labor his whole life, and and okay. he just you know I guess it just happens from just constantly yeah. busting your ass doing like blue collar uh-huh. work, and yep. that was what got him addicted to pain pills, and that's oh, what got him shit. you know just uh, going yeah. downhill and. Uh, so that yeah. that was like I did have some rough shit that I dealt with in my teenage years. Like a lot of it was mental. A lot of it was my own. It was a, it was a mental pain, mental yeah. anguish. It was, it was a mental, you know, mental cage that I couldn't get out of. And now I finally yeah. gotten to a point to where life kind of like makes sense to me now, and I'm more confident about everything. And I, I like I, uh-huh. de- you know, it's like I feel like I've mastered a lot of this shit to a certain degree. And your work is something that you're passionate about and something you love doing so it's not something that will trigger your anxiety even more because it's like oh i don't like this yeah just reading all this is just like jesus christ dude like (laughs) yeah what was your work back then like you were still a teenager right like what what job did you have that you were like oh i gotta work today um even remember well i worked the first job i ever had was i worked at this um packaging factory warehouse thing oh you were in a warehouse where we where we would you know like you know how like say a box of conditioner that you or or a box of hair dye will come with a free sample of conditioner Uh like sometimes it's just sell like the cellophane to the box so what we would do is we would put the conditioner samples in the hair dye boxes and then well that was my job and then the other person would cellophane it shut you know vacuum seal it is what i'm looking for and that's literally all i fucking did at that place it was like man that would drive me nuts after a while dude it would be so repetitive oh my god it was it sucked so hard it was so fucking boring and i did that all summer to 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 buy my first real guitar that i still play to this day i'm very proud of that guitar um i got in 2002 and then after that i worked at bacardi because my mom worked there and they had a yeah. program for the kids of the employees. They could work there during the summer and they literally had the teenagers doing the same shit the adults were doing. So I worked in <laughs> I worked in quality assurance and that was hell. God, that job sucked. Ten hours 
in this hot ass loud warehouse. It was so oh, it was so loud that you had to wear earplugs because all the machines running. And you couldn't even hear your own thoughts, but at that point in your life, you might be like, hey, that's well, good. You could, <laughs> well, you couldn't listen to music because you, they, they, yeah. they had to be able to communicate to you sometimes, but it was so loud. Did you have, like, deadlines? Like, okay, like, you need to get this amount of, like, quote. I mean, kind of, like, yeah. Like, they would, they would have... In this amount of time. Since I worked in quality assurance, like, we would get these cases of say okay these bottles the label is not centered so you'd have to pull each bottle out of the case and check it and then if you found one with uh the bottle the label wasn't centered you'd have to put that bottle in a a a, a box full of rejects Fuck. and then you had to replace it with a a good bottle or Ugh. or it could be the cap had a dent in the top of it uh, so you had to, those were easy because all you had to do was open up the, the carton or the, the pallet or whatever, and you could see the tops of all the bottles instantly. Yeah. So that was easy. The labels sucked because you had to pull each fucking bottle out individually oh, and look shit. at it and see, okay, is the la- dude, Bacardi, and I'm sure all the other liquor companies are like this too, they are anal about their quality control. If They don't even want their the cap of their bottle you know have a dent in it. It, it, it. That's what's interesting because a lot of people who drink, they don't give, they don't a, give a shit about any of that. And if, if no. they do notice a dent or something, they're probably just going to assume the store did it. Not, not yeah. Bacardi did it. Yeah. But they're still like, the company is so big on their brand, you know, having a certain look. They don't even want. Imagine like those, uh, like if you went, if you're working at a place that's making like canned beer, oh my god, there's a ding in the corner of this can of beer. You gotta throw it out. You gotta put in a, a one that doesn't have a ding in Dude, it. Dude, we would we or would a do little tiny scratch. We would use a capper sometimes. <laughs> like sometimes we had to, uh, you know how like the bottles of uh, Bacardi, it's got that kind of cap where you have to twist it off and it breaks the seal and that's just like kind of mm-hmm. yeah. So, um. So what we would do is we'd put the uh, caps, which have this kind of long white sheath on it that has the seal. We would put that on the bottle of the Bacardi, and then it had this kind of um, safety rail on the capper where you it basically made it to where it was impossible to put the bottle in the wrong place because this thing was lined up yeah. just right to where it had to be in this certain spot on the capper. Cause when the capper came down to, to, you know, secure the cap onto the bottle, it came down with such force that if the bottle was just a little off from where it was supposed to be, when the capper came down, it would just shatter that bottle into a million pieces and the alcohol Damn. would go everywhere. And I, and Damn. that happened a few times. Like you put the bottle where Shit. it's supposed to be, you hit the button the capper would go down, and if the bottle was like off, when it when it first happened, it probably scared the oh, shit. Oh yeah, out of you. and it was like, oh my god, and <laughs> you know, supervisor was like, oh, don't worry, blah blah, we'll just sweep it up. But it was like, damn, that's a bottle of shit that yeah, yeah. that was ruined just then. But they because the only stuff that we deal with, like we actually do have broken glass that sometimes happens, you know, at, at work because somebody you know bumps into something, knocks a glass, some glass thing off, and lands on the floor. Or, deal with framing, you know, glass and all that, but um, not to this extent where, you know, something explodes with, like, noxious chemicals or any, you know, or or, or uh, alcohol. Um, 
There's been some nasty stuff. I mean, like fucking kids, man, at work. Just I don't understand why some parents think that Michael's or, you know, other retail stores are a fucking daycare for their kids where they can go shop and their kids can run around and chase each other and grab whatever the hell they want off the shelf and leave shit in the aisle. Yeah. Or or play with paints and shit. Uh we have this paint that's like in like a plastic bag. And it, it it's it's nasty looking paint that's got like globs in it, so it's like like little slime globules in the paint, and the paint is like super liquidy and shit, and it's the nastiest shit when like that like gets leaked, like some kid pokes a hole in it or something, and it's just all over the place. It's so gross because it's like it's liquidy, like you're not thinking that paint is gonna have the consistency of like vomit. And, yeah, it's like orange globules and, like, you know, it's just it's gross. Icky. Yeah. yeah. And then it's sticky, too. But, the, you know, other things is, like, when you get, like, paint on your hands. I thought I cut myself one day. Uh, I was just grabbing, like, uh, something out of a basket and, I, and to put it away. And I, all this red shit on my hands. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that there's this blood everywhere. You know, but it was just... Uh, model paint but it was just like oh my god Jesus Christ uh, you know I've never actually cut myself that bad I mean I cut myself with a box knife once but it wasn't anything that was like oh my, my fingers you know halfway off or whatever I haven't had any like super serious like accidents like one of the one, the only serious accident I had wasn't even that serious I just I just slipped at, at work when I was working at the movie theater in Oklahoma City. I was mopping the floor and in the bathroom, and I just slipped and uh, sprained a muscle in, in in my leg, and I I felt it immediately, and I was like, "Ow, that that that's not good." And I heard something pop that normally doesn't pop, and uh, I took some time off from work and got it checked out and whatever. And my ankle was was pretty. It was. It was definitely, I definitely like sprained an ankle or whatever. And, uh, the, the work was being like an ass about things. Like they didn't want to actually pay for, you know, the doctor's visit or anything. They're being pretty stingy and lame. And, uh, I noticed I was treated differently when I came back to work after that. And, uh, I think that's another reason why I got fired from that job. It's because they were all like, Oh, there's a liability now. Yeah, probably. You know. <laughs> Don't want him to sue us or whatever, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> All right, well, let's end this fucking podcast uh, before yes. my life ends. Um, before I get old and die. <laughs> Just waste away into a skeleton, like at the end of Last Crusade. All right, so that was a podcast, guys. If you want to join our Facebook group and interact with our burgeoning community of almost 2,000 people, that's 2000, bitches. You can go to Facebook, go to the search bar, and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And, uh, you can, you know, you're not, you're not dumb. You'll be able to find it. It's a group, you know, you know how to find the group. If you want to join our Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And for $3 a month, you can get our podcast early as shit sometimes. Like this week, you'll get it super early. But, you know, sometimes not so much. But whatever. You're helping us out either way. 
And for $5, not only do you get the podcast early, but you get to tell us what you want us to do the podcast about. Maybe some of you are wondering why we talked about were the uh, Dutch the first whites to settle in Australia. Well, that was a Patreon request. You could give us an equally weird topic for for just five bucks a month. And um, also, for the love of God, please buy some merch. That would make me very happy. Represent our our podcast on your chest with our The Inside Joke t-shirt, which shows cartoon characters of Michelle and I and our various inside jokes. We also have mugs and even a goddamn COVID face mask so you can represent your favorite podcast on your face. Speaking of inside jokes, I think Pongo is probably going to, you know, wind up. We'll see if Pongo if, in the, we'll see if the... Pongo catches on. There's a there's a bunch <laughs> of goddamn critters that are just leaking or seeping their way um into my world. Ew. Leaking yeah, I know that was gr- I was checking my phone when I was talking just then and that's what happens <laughs> when I get distracted. I say gross shit. Uh, and then finally, you can uh if you want more of me and Mike but you're like I want more of Mike and less of Josh or I want less of Josh and more of Mike, which is basically saying the same thing. You can, you just said that same You can uh go to our various YouTube channels and <laughs> uh and check out our unique content on there. Mike's YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications. He is a movie buff, which stands for movie buffer. He 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 is a buffer <laughs> between me and movie. I don't know what it, that was bad. That was not even funny. I don't know what it meant. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, what what wow. was the last video you did, Mike? The last video I, I uploaded is a over 45 minute uh, discussion and, and review of The Goonies. I love that nice. film. Grew up watching it, um, and it was actually a request, so, and I had deleted the old video I did of it years ago, so I needed to review it again anyway, so I did that. I also reviewed License to Drive, which also has Corey Feldman in it, uh, the 80s movie called License to Drive, where the lead character, Corey, played by Corey Haim, never actually gets a license to drive. He ends the movie still driving without a license with his new girlfriend. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean the spoiler, but a movie that's thirty years old. It's not. It's from nineteen eighty-eight. Come on, damn. That's and then I also I was born. Yeah, I also reviewed uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a documentary about uh, Mark Patton, uh, the star, the star of Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, who disappeared and left Hollywood uh, and was off the radar for many, many years. Uh, and, uh, he talks about his life and everything he's dealt with and it's, you know, what it's like to be gay in the eighties and to deal with, uh, having to stay in the closet, uh, to continue to have a career and also the AIDS epidemic, which is very sobering. And, you know, it's, it really puts things into perspective Damn, when he talks about living in the eighties and dealing, you know, losing, you know, your best friend and partner to AIDS. And then also he also wound up getting AIDS himself and 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 uh survived uh that um but not without complications and you know other things, but I mean just just imagine you are a young actor, you're starting to get roles, you're starting to get work, you're living your dream. 
AIDS happens and all these stars are getting outed and pushed out of the closet and as a result are losing their careers. And so now you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Am I going to, I mean, I can't, you know, you're going to stay in the closet, but you know, it's just something that if you're not in that situation, you'll never, because imagine, imagine that, like not being allowed to be who you are. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that. this is like the eighties, like way before political correctness mm-hmm. was ever a thing. So it was totally okay to just be like, Oh, you're queer. You got AIDS. Fuck you. You're not working with us again. And no one's going to bat an eye at that statement because it's yeah. like. And they showed some of the footage of news footage of some of the people, you know, interviewed and some of the things they said are like really inflammatory. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, so you do you do you are you do you feel the wrath of God raining down on you yet? Or do you need yeah. more AIDS yeah. for you to finally feel that, you know, like yeah. and no one even batted an eye at, you know, those kind of things. It was like, well, mm. that's true. Everyone was so, I mean, I'm talking like I was there. I wasn't, but I mean, everyone was so, it was, it was, it was an epidemic. It really was. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And I think Mark uh, shares a lot of uh, very uh, poignant and uh, powerful statements. And I, I, I think he's, he's, he's done the right thing to use this platform of the horror community to also provide this message to other people, you know, in his shoes that, you know, what, what, what's going on right now may not be as ideal as you might want it to be, but things were a whole hell of a lot worse. Right. All right. We'll go to Mike's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash OCP communications. If you want to check out his uh, videos, you can check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do videos on music. I'm a lover of music. I in a band, obviously, called Dancing with Ghosts. Um, last video I did was the whole "rock is dead" and my my take on that statement. Um, I have not uploaded this week because we were trying to do our live stream, uh, our Dancing with Ghosts live stream, which we did do on Saturday, and it went really well. So thank you to anyone who watched that. I know Eddie watched it. Uh, John watched it, so uh, and and thank you for anyone else who might have stopped by and watched it from the podcast. I tried to shout out the podcast on the live stream just to show my dancing with ghosts. I wanted to show the podcast fans that I pester the dancing with ghosts fans with the podcast, just like I pester the podcast fans with the band. <laughs> so I wanted to have equal opportunity pestering of cross promotion of the shit that I do. Um, but I am coming my newest video that is not released yet that I'm going to be working on tonight (laughs) I'm coming (laughs) I'm coming I am I just casually want to inform everyone I am having an orgasm right now I am coming and it it feels great but um, no the newest video that I am working (laughs) on is um, is what is the deal with kids bop I don't know that I don't know what the title is going to be quite yet but it's something it's going to be tackling kids bop and the, I mean, that's not a new thing. A lot of people of you know uh, YouTubers have tackled that, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, see, this it. is why I don't look up the topics before I cover them because if I looked that up and saw that there was five million videos on that already, I would just not do the video. Mm. And I want to do the video, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. do it. Have you seen that video of that crazy chick? You know, talking about how her kids are listening to kid kids bop. And like she's uh, going after this one uh, girl for being rude 
Yeah, that, that uh, shit's I think, uh, I think, hilarious. I think, I, I, think I, had, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. But uh, all right, well, this podcast is clocking in at like two, easily two hours. So <laughs> fucking a, I want to do other shit on my Tuesday night. But uh, all right, until next week, be safe, uh, be smart, be safe. Don't put your hands anywhere where you wouldn't put your face. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, we'll see you later. See. You. <laughs> all right. That was one of the more awkward endings. <laughs> <laughs>